If you've ever been at all interested in real estate photography, this next interview is gonna be right up your alley. We're gonna be talking about shooting houses and getting paid for it. This is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Thomas Vargeletis. He is a Massachusetts-based real estate photographer who is making it his mission to teach other people how to do the same thing. He's crushing it in Massachusetts. And, you know, you're going to find out why and how and how you can possibly do the same thing in your own area. Thomas, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. Yeah, this is good. So just behind the scenes, we've been trying to do this interview for a while now, but we were, we were plagued <laughs> by technical difficulties, but both of us don't give up. So here we are. <laughs> we are doing That's this right. thing. Yep. I'm excited to do this. So let's let's start with just a little background on you, you know. So sure. from our previous conversations offline, I know that you were an agent that transitioned into this side of the the real estate mm -hmm. world. Tell us about that sort of the, the origin story of Thomas. Sure. Uh, so I wasn't exactly born with a camera in my hand. So the, the way that I came to this place is kind of a mix of um, random or aimless stumbling through life. And um, it had a lot to do with uh, an interest that I've always had in life, not in photography specifically, but in business. I've always been really interested in starting and running my own business. In fact, I've uh, started and failed at uh, many, many different businesses over the years. Um, then I spent some time in the military. After I came out uh, was when I got my real estate license, which is another uh, business idea of mine, getting into real estate. And um, Eventually, my business, my real estate business started to pick up to the point where I was getting a lot of listings and I had some negative experiences with uh, local real estate photographers. So I had this idea or it gave me this idea of, of you know, maybe I'll try and, and do this for myself. Uh, and it took a while, it took some practice. Uh, I think a fast forward a couple of years before I was actually pretty competent at it. But once I started taking really high quality real estate images, uh, people would ask me, you know, who my photographer was and I tell them it was me. So they would ask me, Hey, well, you did a great job on your listing. Can you come and shoot mine? Nice. After a few inquiries like that of other agents, um, calling me, asking me about my photographer, which was me, I decided to make the switch into turning it into like a serious business, not just doing it for myself. Um, you know, it took me a couple of months when I, when I pulled the trigger and I'm like, it's time to, to actually take this seriously. It took a couple of months, but, uh, that's still like really, sh really short period of time. Um, when I started to replace my other sources of income and then now today it's my primary source of income. That's um, crazy. That's what I want to. I want to just explore that just for a second because, you know, mm -hmm. you you mentioned that you you transitioned from agent into you know real estate photographer. Mm -hmm. How does you know when I I'm I, this is coming from a place of ignorance. Obviously, I'm not a real estate agent. Never I've never been on that side though. I've sold a couple of houses, and I know mm -hmm. that commission that the agents get is a good chunk of change. 
so does that does the real estate photography replace those 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 chunks of changes that change that you get from oh, yeah. the commissions completely? Oh, yeah. That's that's oh. crazy. Okay. More than more than than completely. I mean, more I'm making more doing photography than I did doing real estate. And I was doing well with real estate. Um yeah, I think it was the not the first calendar year, but after the first 12 months of me starting this business and officially diving in, um I broke through the six figures in income. And, uh, and, and it just keeps going up and up every year because the way that I get clients and the way that, um, I manage my client relationships is super efficient and I'm able to get, uh, myself and my business in front of a lot of, a a lot of people in a short period of time. And, um, I'm able to provide them such a positive experience, not just in the quality of the work, but, um, you know, fair pricing, uh, fast turnarounds, just great customer service. They stay. So most people, most real estate agents that call me for their first listing that I'm going to shoot for them, um, they keep calling me back. And the, and the odds of them calling me back for every single listing for the rest of their career is extremely high. Like the, I don't have very many people that have worked with me and then have switched to someone else. So, so client retention is, is high with real estate photography. I mean, if the agent is getting good work at a good price and they like you, why would they even look for someone else? They don't. So, um, agents that are having a good experience, they stay with you for a long time. And then a real estate agent is going to list on the low end, one or two properties a year for sale. And on the high end, one or two properties a day in some cases. So, yeah, there's some agents that I work with that they they literally make millions of dollars in real estate commission, which is amazing. But that means they sell a ton of properties. So uh, building a professional relationship with them um, is is huge. Uh, Let's talk about that, Thomas, because that's the other the other piece of this that a lot of people that are that are watching this and that are are listening and interested in getting into real estate Mm -hmm. photography the first step is, okay, that sounds great, but how do you break into that? You know, clearly Thomas had a lot of breaks and, and luck and all this stuff. How do I get into it? How do I get my first real estate client? What would your advice be to those people? Well, there's a, there's a couple things that I'd, I'd like to unpack out of that first. So, uh, uh, you mentioned breaks and luck. So yeah. uh, if you just take a snapshot of my life, my business today, and then you could say, wow, he is lucky. And when I reflect on my life, I, I tell myself, like, yeah, I am really super lucky. But um, it was a lot of work to get to this point. And the business is running itself because of, you know, I built up a team that takes up a brunt of the legwork. We can talk about, like, the actual amount of time I even have to put into photography these days. Yeah, I totally want to know that. Yeah. Uh, which is not, which is not much. Um, you know, I've, I've built up a team and I've built up a system that, uh, works really well in this business. And, uh, it was a lot of trial and error. And, you know, a couple of months I started to replace my other source, my other income, like real estate commissions. Um, but it was lots of failures and a lot of trial and error and a lot of, uh, learning that took place even leading up to that point. Cause like I said, I've been involved in a ton of different businesses. So, so, you know, yeah, I've been lucky personally, like things have, 
have uh, worked out well for me, but uh, it's it's been a ton of work to get there. Uh, and I want to point that out because you don't necessarily need a lucky break to build the business. If even if everything was playing against you to build a business like this, because it's like it is so easy to get in front of clients and the rules that you have to follow to create high quality real estate photography are are very straightforward. Now, if you're a photographer and you're not even interested in real estate photography, maybe you didn't really think about it as a serious source of income, or maybe you are, but you're not really sure if you should get into it. I like to point this out. I have people in my audience. Did we even mention I have the reason why I'm on this podcast is because of my podcast, the full-time yeah, no, we photographer. We'll, we'll get to so that. So I, sure. I also host a podcast and I wrote a book on real estate photography. Um, and a lot of people in my audience will be photographers of not just real estate, but they'll be portrait photographers or infant photographers or um, you know family portraits. Uh, there's some people that like to focus on fine art and even wedding photographers. People who are busy on weekends or maybe after their day job and they're like, how can I make some more money, add some dollars to my bottom line or take this passion of this hobby of mine and actually start turning it into uh, money, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to, to either fund or to finance those bigger projects or those passion projects you have in mind or, you know, if you wanted to take it down the path that I have, um, support your entire life, your, you know, your mortgage, your car payments, vacations, um, with just photography. So there's, there's a bunch of different approaches and a bunch of different reasons why people should get into it. I think, especially if you want to take photography seriously, real estate photography, very low barrier to entry. Um, you don't need to have the best equipment in the world. Um, and we can talk about gear too in a minute, but yeah, I totally uh, want to get to that, but I want to, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned, you mentioned low barriers to entry. Yeah. you know, what does that do to competition? You know, I mean, is well, there, competition is, there, is high. Yeah, that's what I Competition is high, but there's, like in any business and in any industry in the world, there's a lot of room on the top. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the best photographer that's ever been born, probably not even the best real estate photographer in my state, but I have a really solid business because I take every single little detail that I possibly can. Image quality, yes, but also my physical appearance, how I talk to people, how I do my presentations. I do script my presentations and memorize exactly what I'm going to say, how I'm going to answer questions, uh, how I show people, what I show them, um, you know, and the information that I provide while I'm interacting with clients. And just, there's, there's a whole bunch that goes into it. And I'm able to create a brand that there's not really much competition for. Yeah. yeah, there's a ton of other real estate photographers and a lot of them are really talented, but uh, if you want to make money, you have to have a business and a business is not just, a business does not, it's not based just off of one thing that you can do. Uh, it's based off of uh, an entire economy or an environment that you can build for your clients. So be, be the best in that environment. And you know, you'll, yeah. like you said you'll rise to the top. What about, yeah. the, um, what about that? You mentioned presentations, like where, who are mm-hmm. you giving these presentations to? Is it the real estate agent or real estate agents? Yeah. Okay. Um, real estate agents are super easy to find. They are everywhere and they're all over social media, the real estate agents. Uh, so, so to get a real estate sale, you have to have a, a pretty deep social network. 
So real estate agents trying to get business will want to be easily found. They want people to call them and say, hey, I want you to help me sell or, or, or buy a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so finding their office locations, their personal cell phones, their emails, it's not difficult to do at all. Um, in fact, I've even built up a list of every single licensed real estate agent in my state, 30,000 real estate agents. Uh, and it was not, it, it took time, but it was not too difficult to get all that information. Um, and then what we do is I reach out to, and I talk about this on the podcast. I have a whole episode dedicated to this and in the full-time real estate photographer book, podcast in the book of the same name. Um, I, I go real deep into how this all works and how you can do it too. But basically I, I book a office presentation mm-hmm. where the real estate agents usually will meet, they'll congregate in some fashion monthly, weekly. Um, I'll visit them during an office meeting. I will present my business. I'll show my portfolio, show them how they can book appointments with me, show them all the work that we've done, maybe even share some client testimonials. If there's people in the office that have worked with me before, um, which is always really fun. If there's that one person that says, Oh yeah, man, I called Tom and he did such a great job. We sold the house like that. It was great. They loved it. Testimonials. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really powerful. But it, you know, even if there's no one in there, like I, I'll still, show people the business, show them my prices, and I'll end the presentation with, uh, is there anyone here who has a listing coming up that they need to book a photo shoot for? And without fail, almost every single time, uh, one or two people will raise their hand up and I'll get a photo shoot. And then, um, I have a, I have a proactive, a really proactive follow-up campaign. I'm not doing like a random email drip or, you know, just random updates to people. Um, I will call text and email them over the next few weeks and I'll get even more photo shoots out of that after the presentation. Um, when I, like when I said, when I, when it was time to pull the trigger and and take this business, um, really seriously, I plotted out the amount of time that I would have during the week to, that I was going to dedicate towards real estate photography. And about 90% of that up front at first for the first couple of weeks was just booking presentations and meeting with agents, going to office meetings all across the state. And, uh, after a couple of weeks I started getting appointments and I started getting a little busier and then, you know, I tapered it off to like two or three, uh, presentations. And I did that for just a couple of months and I started to fill up what, what have you found like a you know with any entrepreneur or solopreneur whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. or call us um the, there's that work life balance and you mentioned there's like 30,000 real estate agents in your in your state you could seems like you could be shooting all the time every day 7 days a week you know if you want to we do. How, we how do how do you maintain the 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 you know all work and no play yeah. makes Thomas a very dull boy right how do you <laughs> how do you figure that out <laughs> well if I was all work and no play until the day I retire or the day I died from overstress and exhaustion, um, yeah, that wouldn't be too much fun. No. But here's the thing. like When, when you're starting a business, it's going to be a lot of work. And there are times, like during the busy season especially, where I have to jump in and do a lot of work. So you know, I'm not afraid of working 
day and night, literally, and having no time for anything but sleep, not even barely time enough to eat. I think when I started to get real busy before I hired employees, I was only down to like one meal a day that I really only had time for. Wow. Um, you know, and then I'd have like snacks and stuff in the glove box. <laughs> yeah. Um, the healthy diet, right? <laughs> Well, the, the diet. diet, right? It's it's a matter of you know at first, and a lot of people, business coaches, life coaches, success coaches, people will talk a lot about how it's important to take massive act, massive action, mm-hmm. huge amounts of action. If you figure out a way to get in front of your clients and a way to, you know, generate demand for your product then that's all you should be doing all the time until you're so busy you just can't keep up with it. Um, Because what's happened is over time, and this is an important lesson that I learned, there's businesses that I started that I could still be in today but have failed completely because I didn't give it enough time at first. I was so sure that I had to have a work-life balance, I can't let myself burn out, and I have to have personal time and uh, which is true to a point. I mean, you can't work yourself ragged for years and years and years. It's like, what's the point? Um, but at first, when you're taking a business off the ground and it's an untested project, like you don't know what direction this is going to go in. Um, even when the ball starts rolling and you get build momentum, it is still your responsibility to to get your clients and to fulfill that need. So. Yeah. There's yeah, no work-life balance at first. What at you're first, saying sounds a, it sounds a lot like um, this interview I did uh, last year or year before um, with Kobe Bryant's photographer um, and a co-author mm-hmm. on a book they wrote together called The Mamba Mentality. And basically, you know, long story short, was he was saying that Kobe's and his mentality with regard to that work-life balance thing was mm-hmm. there is no work-life balance if you want to excel and be the best, 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 the top of your game. Right. He, you know, he right. said something, I remember a quote from him, he said something like, the when people call him a workaholic, you know, either him or Kobe, they take that as a badge of honor or a term of endearment versus, you know, if people say, hey, Thomas, you're well, a workaholic, it sounds negative. They don't, they don't think that way. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think of that as negatively as uh, either. And this is an important distinction to make here, like, Working constantly all the time forever and ever is not necessarily the goal, but at first there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs doing and there's only one person to do it. So it means you're going to be working around the clock. Um, The first person that I hired was my administrator. So when I started taking in some income and I'm looking at my time, I'm like, well, I'm profiting the most when I'm doing presentations to get new clients and uh, doing the photo shoots and doing the business that I'm getting from those presentations. So what do I need to do? I need to put as much time as possible in presentations and photo shoots. And I was spending more and more time in the office with more editing and more uh, customer service and just more back-end stuff. So my first hire was an administrator to take a, take care of a lot of the back-end stuff. Uh, this freed up a ton of time for me during the day that I could now schedule more photo shoots and more presentations during. And then, okay, I build up some more business. I get even more busy. Now I'm spending way too much time in the office again, you know, not getting bed until 1 or 2 a.m., having to get up for sunrise the next morning. Yeah. So I started to – so I trained and hired an editor to take up all my editing. 
So now all my customer service stuff, I mean, I, it's not as simple as like snapping your finger and then, you know, these people are now hired and everything's working smoothly. There's a training time involved. There's a, a discovery period where you're interviewing and you're trying to find the best. Because if you hire a, like a bad employee or someone who is not going to be like just stellar in everything that they do, um, it's going to actually cost you more in the long run. So I put the time in to you know, find a really, really good hires for each of these positions. Um, because people who are super responsible, who do, you know, just top notch work without having to be babysat, um, people who are easily to manage, you know, they're not, they're out there, but they're not as easy to find. So, uh, you know, getting good employees is important. I also have episode podcast episodes on that and a chapter in the book on that. This is more advanced, so not for later in your career, but I'm just walking you through my process. Like That's great. first That's admin, great. then the editor. Um, and then, you know, we get busy again. And then the photographer. So I have a full-time photographer right now and a couple part-timers that I call on an as-needed basis. Um, with this, and this is a small team, we do hundreds and hundreds of photo shoots every single year. We have hundreds of clients, um, revenue year over year. Whenever I look at my, at the close out the month and I look at my, uh, you know, how, how am I doing this year versus last, last year? Um, it, it, we, we're growing constantly. How do, how do you, you know, I want, I want to talk before we close out, I want to talk a little bit about gear, um, and then also process, um, a little bit and then some technique, but with those, yeah. you know, with that, that sort of year over year growth that you're seeing, what is, you know, not, I don't want you to disclose any, any revenue numbers, obviously, but what is that, what does it look like in terms of, um, you know, what, or what's the best way to say this? What is the goal, right? Do you have a, a, a number? Like, you know what? I need to be at a million a year. I need to be at 3 million so, a year, you know, in order for me to feel like I'm successful or I can check well, out. Yeah, this that's a really good question. Um, there's no point where I ever have a, like the plan or the intention of checking out. Um, like I don't have an exit plan like when it comes to like retirement, because my experience with hiring and training staff is has been really good so far. Um, and I also have some investment properties where you know I. I I work on finding tenants and stuff. So I, I've, I've focused a lot of attention on uh, building relationships with, with people and, and trying to become like a better judge of character. And um, I've, I've gotten pretty good at it. So if I get to the point where I want more personal time, all I have to do is follow this exact same formula. I take a look at my day or my week and you know kind of audit where I'm spending my time. And I find whatever's the least productive use of my time and then find someone to do that work for me. Um, and it just works each time. A lot of people will get stuck on this. And they'll be like, oh my God, I can't hire someone. That's way too expensive. But when you're running a business, and if you're a photographer, you're in business. The business is you and the products that you're creating. Uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Where was I? Oh no, no. The business is you and the, you know, is you're talking about just sort of the time expenditure and, and is there a checkout point? Oh, the time, time. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. So, so one of the books I wrote is called you are a business. And when I said you are a business, I just started thinking about that and not <laughs> what I, uh, so when you're in business, if you want more time, you just leverage it with people or with systems. I also use technology to automate a lot of stuff too. So 
if I get to the point where I'm like, I don't want to be in the office anymore at all, hire a manager. Let the business just run itself. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's the smart way to do it because what the way that you're describing, I'm an I'm analogy man. So the the picture that you're painting in my brain was you build the ideal machine, but all the parts initially are you, and they're well oiled. Yes. You get the thing working right, but over yes. time, as the machine needs to do more work, you need to swap out different gears in that machine with like gears that aren't you to do yeah. to take up that yeah, piece. Yeah, and that's how you scale it. That's how yeah. you that's how you scale the business. So if if it was just me, I would have been stuck at somewhere around like 6 or 700 photo shoots a year, I think. And but then adding on, you know, that just like a a physical limit on the amount of time. Like I only have 24 hours in a day. So if I do everything by myself, I'd hit this wall. The only way to scale it is with people and technology. Yeah. Yeah. So, how you know, long, it's a little different headspace. Take? How long does the average shoot take you to, to get through from ah, you show up at a house to your, you know, not the, with, without the post-processing and all that stuff, just the actual physical yeah, it, it varies. burning pixels? It varies a lot. Uh, I mean, if we're talking just photo shoot, like I'm just taking somewhere between 30 and 50 images uh, and 50 is like way on the high end. The average is going to be around 40, um, like an hour, Oh wow! Okay. an hour. Sometimes yeah. less. Wow. Uh, and Well, that's for me um, it, because, you know, when you do – like if you can do a thousand photo shoots, uh, real estate shoots, you basically know exactly the kind of compositions you're going to take before you even walk into the property. Yeah. <clears throat> so I know – Basic, almost instinctively, like I don't really have to think too much anymore, um, except for when I'm, because uh, every now and then you'll come across a property that's really special. In which case, I'll take my time uh, to you know capture some nice images, especially if I can see some potential portfolio images in there, yeah. and um, you know then I'll make sure to take more time to get it done uh, as as good as I possibly can. But yeah, yeah your average house like an hour. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes are, are less. Are you doing any drone work or anything on the house? Yeah, so I have a drone pilot. I have. Uh, we do a lot of virtual tours. We do a lot of video. We do floor plans. We do oh, listing wow. websites, 360 panoramic photos for Facebook and social media sharing. We do client testimonial videos, agent promo videos. Um, oh, killer. You do whole thing. I have it's a, not just the real estate. You're doing yeah, no, a full we, agent we, support package. Yeah, we literally do everything that can be done when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, like photography and video for real estate. Yeah. Um, I've even had, I have a couple people that pay, that, that'll pay me to, uh, follow them around with, uh, I got a night. Do I have it here? No, it's, it's in the other location, but I, I have like a gimbal so I can put my phone and, and do, uh, Zillow has like a live so video feature or something people like to do like a little Zillow video or to do a Facebook live video. Uh -huh. um, oh, yeah. Like you know, an the, agent walking through the house saying, Hey, well, look exactly. at this beautiful cabinet exactly. work and in this and all that stuff. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we, we do a ton of stuff like that. I, I also bought a, um, a decent, not the best in the world, but a decent, uh, printer so I can print in house. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually have some prints kicking around in here if you wanted me to show you. But uh, so for real estate shoots, sometimes we'll take prints for or make prints for closing gifts for clients. Um, good, good. Yeah, we can edit it to make it look like Twilight or like a painting. There's all kinds of stuff that we'll do. Um, Is that for the, uh, the, the seller or the buyer? 
Usually it's for the seller. Uh, sometimes an agent will buy a print of a like a, a listing that was special to them, like their biggest listing or it's just a really beautiful house, uh, and they'll they'll hang it in their office. Um, but yeah, most of the time we're printing and framing for sellers because uh, there's some you know emotional attachment to the property. Absolutely. So, yeah, what they we, love the. What prints. are we looking at in terms of uh, the the gear that you're using to shoot this? Some people may be thinking, yeah, great, you're shooting all these all this stuff, but you've got a gazillion dollars worth of gear. I can't do that. So yeah, you know, I'm out. yeah. So I don't know how many times I've said this already, but I'll I'll say it again. So so the Canon One DX. Mark three is available for pre-order now, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a $7,000 camera body only. So, um, I could buy that. I could go to Canon and say, here's $7,000. Give me a camera, please. Um, or I could take 5,000 pay myself and then use the remaining two to get a uh, just as good enough for my purposes, um, piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. So, I only need the gear to get the job done. Now, obviously, I want to get the best quality of work done possible. Absolutely. Um, but as long as I tick off those boxes to make sure I know I'm getting a certain level of quality out of it, um, I I don't even want to get the newest, most expensive so what are, thing. What are you shooting with? What's your what's your daily driver? Uh, so. The first camera I ever bought for real estate is actually the one that I'm looking into right now. It's a it's a Panasonic GH4. Yeah, and what uh, I'm looking into right now too. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's my studio camera now. I don't take it out anymore. It's it's pretty beat up. Uh, but when I replaced it, I bought another GH4 used. Yep. And then um, when I wanted to get another camera, I got a GH5 used, buying from people on the Facebook Marketplace on um, on eBay. Because when I when I look at something, I look at the retail price, and I'm like, okay, do I want to pay an extra fifty percent or a hundred percent more just so I can say for a week or whatever that you know, oh look, I got this new thing, right? Or you know, would I rather pay myself the extra however many hundred dollars and get the thing that's just as good? but slightly used. Mm -hmm. um, and I also resell a lot of my gear. So once it starts to get close to the end of its life, I'll sell it again. So if I buy something for $400, I use it to death, use it to make $10,000, $50,000, and then I sell it for $200. So the lifetime is this, of this $400 thing, it only actually cost me $200 because of the money I recouped in the sale. Yeah. Um, Plus the savings in the front end, like it just doesn't make sense to do it any other way for me. Um, so yeah, we're using GH4. Um, we're using Godox lights. We're not using Pro Photos or anything crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, for most of our listings, the photographer has a GH4 with a Godox AD200, uh, 200 watt second light, and. Uh, Manfrotto tripod um, and a Manfrotto geared head, and that's that's basically all we need. I mean, we trigger them wirelessly. There's other stuff that we take along because we do a lot of virtual tours and video stuff. But the basic photography setup is a GH4 and a flash. That's great. That is great. So so let's switch gears a little bit. I'm going to end on talking about that podcast, but but the transition sure. away from the gear is um, you know just sort of from a working pros perspective. 
real estate photography versus architectural photography? What's the difference in your head? Is there a difference or is the difference just Yeah, you know, there's an important distinction to make there. Um, some sometimes the 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 words architectural photography and real estate photography will sound interchangeable and it might be in other countries but here in the United States when we say architectural photography what we're talking about specifically is um high end architectural photo, photo shoots um like this would be seen in a architect or a builder's portfolio. Um, this would be used on the business's website or the architect's website or, or whatever. It's if it's like a beautiful museum, like they'd use that for marketing purposes. So there's more of a commercial application for architectural photography. There's also a much higher standard in the quality and there's a lower expectation in the quantity of images. So architectural photography is like really, really high quality. You're going to be on site for multiple days potentially, um, but you're only going to end up with, you know, three, four, five, ten images maybe depending on how you operate. Right. Um, and it's much more expensive. For those ten images, you're charging, you know, $15,000 or, or however, you know, some people charge four or 5000 depends. Um Real estate photography is specifically for real estate listings, houses or properties that are going to be listed for sale by a real estate agent. Yeah. Um, these are the pro these are the photos that they're going to use to uh, put the property on on whatever listing service that they are going to use, and uh, they're going to use them to market and sell the property. and And that's it. There's no other application for those. Love it. Love it. Perfect. Thanks for clearing that up because that's the you you hit it right on the head. People have that interchangeable idea between those two things. And in my head, if you, you, you defined it perfectly because in my head, I think real estate photography, single family homes, listings, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I, when I think architectural, I think, you know, they're hiring a firm to shoot like the Apple campus or something. And, you know, they're, they're lighting it from the outside, you, you know and what? multiple you lights would. inside and all that, right? Yeah. For, for those photo shoots, you would hire an architectural photographer um, because of the much higher bar, uh, in terms of image quality. Yeah. Uh, but then again, it's also much, much more expensive. So, um, you know, I guess, yeah, that's, that's the only real distinction to keep in mind. Like architectural photography is, is, is more, um, uh, more creative, more, um, of a focus on the art of the photography and less, mm -hmm. Like on real estate, the focus in the photos is just to show the space. Yeah. Um, you know, not necessarily trying to create like an uh, artistically interesting image. Uh, it's just about, you know, show me the bedroom, show me the bathroom, make it look as good as you can. Um, you know, but you're not taking four hours to stage the room and right. two days and, in editing. And, and those images that you shoot with, with, uh, for real estate photography are, you know, fleeting for the most part, because when when the house is sold, those images have done their jobs. With architectural yeah. photography, those images could be around the last for, for years, a long yeah. time, right? They'll be used for years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And real estate images, you you can't even really reuse them because people are constantly renovating, painting, changing the arrangement, the furniture, and other other things with the house. Um, so yeah, for real estate listings, you really should have up to date photos, up to date like. Uh, for that listing, not from a recent previous listing. Yeah. 
Well, tell me, you know, as we wrap this up, tell me um, what's this what's this full time real estate photographer podcast about, and what's in the book, and you know why why should people sign up and subscribe and listen? Okay, so full time real estate photographer is a podcast and a book of the same name. The podcast, and like I said earlier about how I constantly try to find ways to give myself more time. As I started to have more discretionary time during the workday, um, I started devoting it to another one of my interests, which is writing and teaching. I really enjoy um, teaching. I, I guess I got that bug from my my mother. My mother's been a teacher for an entire life. Um, and I don't know, I just find something really uh, satisfying and engaging um, to go through that kind of a thought process. So that's when I decided I was going to write the full-time real estate photographer book. And then after I wrote the book, I started the the recording podcast episodes. And it's all about the business of real estate photography. I do have a lot of content on the actual photography technique, on the equipment, um, and in editing techniques as well. Yeah. But a major part of my focus is on running the business, the actual business side of the business, because uh, one, I feel like it's not given enough attention, attention at all. It's almost barely any attention is really given to it in most channels that I've been able to find. Um, and and two, it's because you know the business is really where a lot of my interest is not just in the photography. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love photography. I, I have fun doing it. I don't mind doing it, um, over and over and over again, hundreds and hundreds of times, uh, yeah. for the real estate. Um, but it's, it, it's the business side of the business that really trips a lot of people up. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, these, the, the book is like an A to Z guide, um, from making the decision. Do I even want to get into real estate photography to, uh, building your portfolio to getting your first presentation, your first clients, customer service, and then more advanced stuff, hiring and training staff, uh, you know, automation and streamlining in your, um, in your sales process. We didn't even talk about the technology that goes into this. Like my appointment, my calendar fills itself up because I've been able to present my business to enough people. Enough people know me. They know to go to my website to book appointments online and, you know, I just have to look at the calendar or check my alerts throughout the day. The calendar just fills itself up. I don't have to do any weird negotiation with people or get back and forth. How about two o'clock? How about five o'clock? What about Thursday? None of that. Um, and, and the whole system is managed with, there's a lot of software there. And then of course my, my staff will pass tasks off to each other. Um, so photo shoots are happening even right now. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't really have to do that. anything. I don't have that, to do it. See, that's the automation it, piece of it. Because you mentioned you mentioned earlier in the interview that yeah. you know there's a lot of like you don't you don't like at least for email you don't do a lot of uh, automation there where you know there's emails that are going out and auto responders. No, well, I, I I don't have a ton of email marketing. I do use email for follow up, but mm -hmm. I don't even try to use an email. Like I don't do. I'll do a cold call but I won't do a cold email to a new prospect. Okay. And when I say prospect, I mean a person who is potentially a client that doesn't know me yet. Um, and when I'm prospecting, I try to focus on 
things that'll get me uh, physically closer to the person. Because the, the more removed you are from your clients, the easier it'll be for them to ignore you and to, uh, or, or just entirely dismiss your message. So I teach people at first to do office presentations because when you make that personal impression on people and you get to see them one-on-one -on -one and they can see you and ask questions and interact, uh, that's way more powerful than just a random uh, email or even a phone call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So, sure. yeah, that's that's what I tell everyone that they should be doing. Um, after that, once you start building up a little bit of a pipeline, I also recommend will recommend for more advanced people uh, cold calling. Cold calling is a huge source of business. I got, I made, I've made money cold calling for real estate sales. Um, I'm still involved today in a hospitality business where we did a lot of cold calling and we took it from like. We took it from zero to a hundred overnight, thanks to cold calling. It's like wow. it's so effective, but you have to have nerves of steel. You have to have very thick skin. It is not for the faint of heart, and you really want to have uh, a book of business already built up because there can be some lead time um, before the cold calling by itself really starts to build up a lot of momentum. But uh, last summer, I have a temp. Uh, cold caller that I hired. I uh, had her last summer, forty hours a week all summer long and we were getting like two new clients a week out of that wow. and and it's worth it because the client retention is really high and referrals yeah. too you get um i've had my cold caller had a coldwell banker agent um not too far from where i live she got her on the line she called me out to do a listing we had a great conversation we hit it off she really liked me she referred every single other person in her office i got an entire office off of one cold calling client uh, usually that doesn't happen unless I do a presentation first, and then I have to do the follow-up and everything. But it can be really lucrative if you know how to approach it. Um, but yeah, that's for more advanced users. You yeah. you want to focus on you cover you cover that stuff the in the podcast and in, in the book. The podcast I mentioned cold calling. Um, the book not so much because uh, you know even though it works really well. Not a lot of people are interested in doing that. It's hard enough to get yeah. people to do physical in-person presentations. Um, cold calling is one of those things where uh, you you have to almost like be in love with the grind or just yeah. the daily well, routine. The fear, of doing it's the fear, the fear of rejection. We all have it, right? So it's well, it's it's more than just a fear. You get a lot of rejection over the phone. So yeah. like I said, you, the more removed you are, for, it's it's really difficult for someone to your face to be a jerk. Now, some people will. Uh, <laughs> you know, We all know it's possible. But it's much, much easier for someone to tell you off, to swear at you, call you names, insult you over the phone because you never know when you're going to get someone, what's going on in their day or in their life. Like yep. some people have no control over themselves. And once you get them on the phone, once they realize that you're trying to sell them something or they don't know who the hell you are, then, you know, all the stress that they've been holding in from that morning, <laughs> is going to come out <laughs> and it doesn't bag. necessarily, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean you're talking to a bad person, but you know, you just caught them at a bad time. So, so cold calling, like you have to be really cognizant of that, um, and be willing to call that person again later at a, uh, you know, much later, but yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, Can I have another, right? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. kind of have to be a glutton for punishment. I mean, that, I don't really even like to do it anymore because of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I outsource it, but yeah, it's one of those yeah. things like, 
It takes Once a personality. You, it's a personality type. You got to be able to like, yeah, you know, yeah. keep the persistence gene versus the, you know, somebody somebody called me a name and I'm never going to talk to that person again and yes. I'm shut them off. You got to be able to be called a name and insult it and still go back with a smile right. on your face. Right? Yeah, you have to have a smile on completely like the entire time. People yeah. can insult you to your face and you'd be like, wow, that's great. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's your, that's your opinion. I'm really happy we had this chance to talk. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll mm-hmm. take you off of my list and then really I'm just going to call them, you know, I'll, I'll wait like six months or a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe uh, in a better mood then. Yeah. Well, exactly. Cause that, that's what happens. Cause you know, you wait long enough and they won't remember. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's humans. Oh. It's humans. Um, just to wrap this up, what, uh, if people want to like contact you or, you know, I would imagine there are some people that are agents maybe watching this cause they found it on YouTube and then obviously a lot of photographers, because that's the audience. Um, how should they get in touch with you? You know, both from a real estate side, if they want to book your company to do their listing, or from a photographer side to, sure. you know, engage with you from that level. So uh, if you have a listing coming up in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, northern Connecticut, southern New Hampshire, southern Vermont, um, in that area, uh, you can find me directly. I would say, um, even for for both sides, if if you, if you're interested in photography, which, um, you know, I, I I don't, I don't imagine we'd get too many real estate agents in Massachusetts on this, on this photography podcast. But if you are, you can, you can go to the podcast, go to full-time real estate photographer on any major podcasting app. Uh, just search full-time real estate photographer and uh, every single episode has uh, show notes with contact information. So you can email me there. Same thing like for everybody else, like there's books. I also do coaching and, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I offer, but I recommend that you check out the podcast first. It's free and you can cherry pick which episodes you really want to listen to. Um, if you want a little bit more information, you can either following the contact instructions in the show notes you can reach out to me and ask a question directly. Uh, I have a ton of episodes where, because people are hitting me up like every day on Instagram. Um, not every question is podcast worthy, but a lot of them are. So you'll see this listener question podcast where I'll take a whole episode and just answer questions. Um, if you still want some more, uh, you're welcome to purchase the book. Uh, you can buy the book on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime, or you could order it from me directly. Um, if you order it from me directly, just send me a message, Instagram or email, and uh, I would much appreciate that because the royalty split on Amazon is not particularly great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as a special thank you, I'll write a personalized note for you in the in the book somewhere. Um, that's awesome, that awesome. That's congratulations um you know on all the stuff that you're doing you know it's it's interesting i talk to a lot of photographers and you know the they you know everyone's enjoying the world of photography some mm-hmm. from a purely amateur for the love of perspective mm-hmm. some in the middle they love it and they're making money with it and others that are you know they're built these gigantic amazing businesses that are generating six figures and they still love photography on top of it mm-hmm. there's it seems like there's very few people that have cracked that nut of creating a real yeah, sustainable it's business and you know that you can like you said true, pay your yeah. mortgage and your car payment with yeah and i i think a lot of that stems from um just a lack of knowledge about how to 
put together and run a really effective business. A lot of people that get into the visual arts and photography are getting into it because of a passion for art and are not business-minded at all. Some are, but I would say most people don't get into photography because they're thinking about the business of photography. Right. And, you know, that's my that's what I'm offering to the world is uh, a, a different approach because I came into photography from a place where, you know, I wanted to focus on the business first, not the art or the photography itself first. Um, and you know, you can see, I mean, you can jump on the podcast. I think there's a couple images there and I think you even have like some portfolio images of mine, uh, yeah. that you could throw up there. Like the, the photos that we make are pretty good. Um, so, you know, if you're as good or even better a photographer and you should ask yourself, why aren't you making more money than me? It's because of, you know, the business side of, of your education is, is, um, not where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. you got to build that you engine, know? right? You got to build that. Yeah. Engine. You got to, you got to build, yeah, you got to build a money printing machine. And, you know, the purpose of business is not to separate people from their money. It's to create something and to build a life worth living. And how can you live your life without an income? Yeah. Um, you can't. So when you approach your business or your passion with the right mindset, you can turn something that you love into cash that's going to fund. Like, did we even talk about this? I went to uh, uh, the, the World Cup games were last year or the year before. Yeah. Um, so I went to Moscow, watched a soccer game. I'm not even a soccer fan. And I went to Moscow and watched a soccer game. Right. Um, you know, I travel to Vegas a couple times a year. Um, you know, travel internationally every now and then. And, and this is all on photography income. This is not, you know, the starving artist lifestyle. Yeah. That's you're not, you're uh, not a trust fund baby or anything. That's it's all for the coming bees. from photography. Even if I was, there were two occasions in my life where I spent my entire life savings up until that point. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. like I've, when I tell, when I tell people that I feel like most of our financial and business education starts backwards or, or not, it's non-existent. Um, I'm, I'm saying that from personal experience. Like I bought into the whole, like, you got to get good credit. You got to get a good job, go to college. I have a bachelor's degree in uh, pre-law and political science. Okay. That's, <laughs> you that's know, I have, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was in the military for a little while. Um, yeah. not doing photography. Uh, I was doing all the, I had a food truck for a little while. I had all these stupid little businesses that would make a little bit of money and then it would fail. It would make some money and fail. And then, you know, with all those lessons learned, um, from those other businesses and all my friends, like I, uh, are, are entrepreneurs as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to take all this business knowledge and information to photographers because you totally can live, you know, you can have a life that you're like really happy that you're living it and you can do the things that you love, uh, while you're, you're living it. So, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of, um, uh, what you just said reminds me of a, a Jim Carrey quote because remember in Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. Was, yeah, he was, he was first blowing okay. up and be, you know, doing the mask and all these different, he was like the thing yeah. in Hollywood. And, yeah. uh, in this interview, he was quoted as saying, you know, cause the, the interviewer said something like you're an overnight success. And Jim Carrey said, yeah, uh, my overnight success is great. It only took 30 years, you know? Yeah. yeah it only took 30 years. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. That reminds me. There's another quote of um, 
it was an I think it was an author who said uh, you know someone asked him like uh, like oh my god this work is so amazing and incredible like you must you're a genius or something like that and the, and his response was look if you saw how much work it took to get to this point it wouldn't be as impressive yeah. as it seems yeah, yeah absolutely because yeah. it's really the case yeah you, I mean you can look at me like you can take a snapshot of me in my life today and say that guy had everything handed to him but if you were standing next to me um, the whole way through. And then, you know, you see the times of like hunger. I was actually, I was literally homeless at one point in my life. Uh, when I came back from the military, I was in a veteran's home for a while. Um, you know, so I, yeah, it's always the tip of the iceberg, right? It's always people, people, like you said, people see the snapshot of now and then make inferences of, Oh, you know, that was easy. You know, same here. You know, people, I can do a podcast and YouTube as Frederick's doing. There's a lot of, there's, there's a trail of dead bodies that lead to where you are. Yes. Yeah. There's a trail of dead bodies because there's a lot of work that you just don't see. Yeah. And there's a lot of emotions that people get caught up with all the time. Um, in my book, you are, you are a business where I specifically analogize the, uh, a person and a business and I compare them to each other and how a person is really similar to a business in certain ways. Um, and then, you know, the point of the book is how business thinking and business decision-making if applied in your personal life and you think about yourself as a business, you can really greatly improve your quality of life. Like, uh, nobody ever does that. Um, and they, they should because a business makes certain decisions and behaves in the community in such a way that uh, it improves its profits and its income over time, and it's thinking about being productive, um, cutting out excess, cutting out waste. Um, how can I provide a better customer service? And people were taught to be consumers. Mm-hmm. We're taught, you know, get into debt. You want to have a high credit score so you can get good interest on all that debt you're going to accumulate. <laughs> yeah, you need to go into college. You need to pay for your college with student loans because we're all in debt. Nobody has cash to pay for your college, so you have to get into debt now too. Yep. And then you know you got to go work for someone. You got to go get a job at a company where you're going to make that person five hundred dollars an hour, and he's going to pay you twenty. Yep. It's like. Yeah, and threaten it's, to fire you not, every quarter, right? <laughs> yeah, threaten you and then, yeah, hold a performance review over your head and make you feel like, you know, people feel like there's only one way to really live their lives or we're really only given one model, um, but it's not the only option that's out there. Like, you can make a good living doing something that you love. Yeah. Um if you if you're a photographer and you know you don't even want to seriously consider real estate photography as a source of income, uh, what you should do is you should look at your spare time during the week or during the month and say, well, you know, if I have this downtime or if I were to take a few days a week and dedicate to you know meeting with real estate agents, you can listen to the podcast and hear all my strategies for getting clients and doing photo shoots. But uh, you know, it's just a matter of like listening, practicing, and doing. And if you're willing to do that. Like, ask yourself: Is it worth making an extra hundred bucks a week, five hundred a week? How about a thousand dollars a week? Yeah. Or yeah. two thousand dollars a week? Some people are thinking, like, oh my god, I can't make two thousand dollars in a month with my photography. You could make it in a week doing real estate photography. We do it all the time. Uh, actually, more than that. But you know, if if you 
need money like everyone else, this is a great business to get into. Yeah, um, like you said, like a great business and, to get into to – you know, you know, you, you may love it and this may be what you do all the time, but right. if, if you were right. trying to look, you know, from what I'm getting from this conversation and correct me if I'm, if I'm paraphrasing incorrectly, but you could use a business like this to break free of that grind that you're in, you know, and replace that's true. that, yeah, replace that income and is, take the reins back. Right. While yeah, you plan. That's right. The grind is a killer. Like if, mm-hmm. If you're doing something that you love and then you do it to the point where you're not loving it anymore, then there's a there's a serious problem like f- between A and B, like you starting and then you saying like I can't, I want to give this up. Um coming to the point of burnout, like you don't have to get there. On the work life balance topic, um you shouldn't have a work life balance if you're starting something brand new and it's just you on your own. Um, but as you level up and as you master your craft and provide more value to your clients, make a little bit more money, more transactions, more, more sales, um, then you can afford to leverage some of that cash to give you more time. And you can eventually potentially build something, a system like I have in my business where the business is just constantly rolling in. Almost everybody is repeat customers or referrals. <laughs> uh, it keeps the pipeline full, supports multiple salaries, um, and provides a lot of free time. So we, you know, we didn't even get into the system. I, I wish we did earlier, but we could do it on another episode. Or oh, or, we have to do a sec. Or, we got to do a follow up another day. But yeah. yeah, the technology is is crazy. But like on the slow season over the winter time, there's usually less less things being sold. When I'm hitting a slow season, it doesn't mean no money. It just means that there's not enough going on for me to have to jump in and take over throughout the day. When we're real busy, I'm doing photo shoots all the time, like all day. And I'm doing video. So there's like two and a half months, three months out of the year where I'm working like 60, 70 hours a week. Um, But over the wintertime, a couple hours a day. That's crazy. You know, do the gym, have breakfast, and then come into the office couple hours and then i just go home play video games <laughs> do laundry. See, there's the secret there's a stress reliever right there you know some call of duty at the end of the day you're done some call of duty i've been playing yeah, i've been playing xbox lately watching a lot of uh i've been getting into um there's this group of com- comedians that have a company that it's called riff tracks riff tracks.com oh. it's where these yeah it's these these three old guys uh they they riff movies they they take these crappy b movies like like really bad, like bad movies, embarrassingly bad. And then they make fun of them and they do like oh. video commentary. So I've been getting into that lately. That sounds like Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000. You remember exactly. That? The exact same people that oh, did cool. Mystery Science, except they do modern movies too. So they'll do like Lord of the Rings, The Matrix. Oh, um, good. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cats is, is a little too new. I, I don't know if they'll get to that yet. But yeah, they have hundreds and hundreds. That's, that's, a, that's a fun thing. But it's a good pastime that i can only really enjoy now because you know once once i you build the system and it's a ton of work to get there but once you build the system and it works you have to maintain it you have to stay on top of it and you have to be proactive obviously but when you build a system that takes care of a lot of the the legwork and a lot of your labor and you're really only accountable to you know check in with staff and make sure that there's no fires that you have to put out 
um, you just bought yourself a whole bunch of time, you know, and, and your income is still coming in. Yeah. The income, the money is still coming in when you're an army of one. If you're not working, you're not making money, which is super stressful when you're not working. Mm-hmm. So my first couple of years during the slow season, when it was mostly me doing all the photo shoots, um, I'd have like a week of, you know, maybe only one or two a day. And I'd be like, panicking i'd be like oh my god what's happening um but now i'm happy but i'm happy if i don't have anything to do (laughs) i love it well man thank you so much for coming on the show um you do have to you mentioned it you got to come back on because i want to dive into um the business processes and the automations and the booking yeah all that yeah we can so yeah let's let's definitely do a part two for this and um okay All right. Yeah, I think that'll be great. I want to remind people to definitely check out the uh, the podcast. Just Google "full time real estate photographer." You'll find this right. guy and subscribe and and soak up all that knowledge. And then also, there's uh, the full time real estate photographer book that's out there, and both in paperback and Kindle. Or they can buy it directly from you and give you all the and get know, a special note. Get a special note and don't give Jeff Bezos any more money, right? <laughs> I know. He's got enough, he's even got after enough. the divorce. Yeah, even after that, yeah. Now he's only <laughs> half as filthy rich. And then there's also your You Are a Business book that people should check out. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah, yeah so. You Are a Business was the second book I ever published. That one is uh, – that was a fun research project, even though – but I have to give you a caveat here about You Are a Business. Anyone that's going to pick that up and read it, I cite a lot of sources, but I'm only citing like sources of like the third and fourth order. And when you're doing research and you're doing any kind of academic research, there's first primary sources and secondary sources. Primary sources would be like the Egyptologist in the Great Pyramid reading the hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. And then the secondary source would be someone basing a research paper off of the article that that guy wrote, Uh, right? That's the secondary source. So the third order is like a journalist picked up somebody's article about something else. Like I'll I'll pick up these questionable uh, uh, articles, but they're all about hammering home these, um, uh, I guess... I hesitate to say it, but I guess higher minded concepts about, uh, comparing a person to a business. So, so just, you know, don't, don't read that. Like it's the gospel, but, um, the idea of a person being like a business and getting you to think and behave like a business is the point of the book. So, so please forgive. So please forgive my, my research skills or lack thereof. All right. All right. We'll, we'll put that caveat in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 In verbatim, just type out the whole disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll just point them to this point. <laughs> Two paragraphs. Um, cool, man. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on. I appreciate it. This is, uh, you have the distinction of being the first live interview that This Week in Photos recorded in 2020. So look at that. Wow, wow, wow. Look at that. I'm so, honored. Yeah, so look out, look out for it on the website. And folks that are listening and watching this uh, on the blog posted thisweekinphoto.com, you will find full-time real estate photographer with all the links and pictures and images and all that contact info in the blog post. So go ahead and uh, check that out. Come in. Tommy V. Thank you, man. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Take care. This is Twitter.